All right, guys, welcome to another episode. Today, I'm going to be talking about a topic that was suggested by a follower. Uh, and the topic is uh, surrounding the topic of aggression. And this was submitted by Molly Clark. So, Molly Clark, thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. And thank you for the the topic. So here's the question. The question is, I listened to your dogfight podcast episode, but I was wondering if if uh, if I could special request an episode on specifically multi-pet dog households. And when the dynamic changes or the dogs start to uh, start trying to kill each other, which seemingly, in sort of in quotation, with seemingly no triggers... Uh, like treats, toys, or food, uh, probably meaning resource guarding. Okay, so the way I take this question is, it's a good question. It's it's a very uh, it's a very maybe not common thing, but it's not unheard of. And if you haven't listened to my previous episodes, just scroll down or up um, into either YouTube or your platform, your podcast platform of choice. And just kind of go through my episodes. And I made three episodes on the topic of aggression. So it was like part one, part two, uh, part three. And every topic talks about what aggression is. It's basically a lecture. Uh, And they're not long. They're not like three, four hours. They're like about 30 minutes or so a piece. So they're very digestible. And I break it down in a very, very, uh, very clear manner. I've been working dogs for a, for a long time. I've taught dog training at a at a dog training school, so the topic on there is not it's not things that I'm just pulling out of my ass. They're actually there. It's good information that um, that I've gotten through experience, um, and also you know from from lectures uh, from Roger Abrantes and uh, and other publications as well. So go check it out. And if you listen to those, I think this topic will probably make a little bit more sense as I talk about this. Okay, so multi-dog household. Why does aggression happen with, you know, dogs that live in the same household, right? Dogs that probably have even known each other for a long time. Now, I'm not sure if uh, if the question is being asked in any specific setting, but it seems like it could be broad, you know. It could be a number of reasons. So I'm going to tell you some of the ones that I have experienced, some of the things that I have noticed. I've noticed sometimes people have, let's say, you know, just to make it simple, okay, you can add whatever variables to your situation. But to make it simple, in this hypothetical example, which resembles many uh, cases that are very real. But in this hypothetical example, let's say there are two dogs, and let's say these two dogs were, you know, they've were, they've been together in the same household for a long time. And a long time could be maybe several years or maybe, maybe it's been, you know, a, a few months or about a year or so. <clears throat> and these dogs seem to be house they seem to be friends they they seem to have no issues with each other and they seem to great seem to get along great so from the owner's perspective there is nothing wrong they're friends they're they're buddies and they're getting along great and suddenly 
something happens and now they can't stand each other. I've had cases like this. Now, here's why that could happen. There's a number of reasons, but here's why it could happen. I'm going to give you a bunch of hypotheticals. Again, you make it, uh, you add variables according to what works for you because every case will be different and unique. So in this hypothetical example, let's say one of the dogs was a little bit younger than the other, okay? And the dogs got along great. Maybe they got along great, but one of the dogs that was a little bit younger, as it matured, it suddenly changed in attitude, which does happen. A lot of people don't realize this. Dogs go through maturity stages. Males and females, they go through maturity stages. What that means is the dogs that they are when they're young, it's not always the same dogs that they are when they're older. So when you have a dog going through a maturity stage or going to the next maturity stage where they are, it's not like they change drastically. It's not that they're entirely different dogs, but there is a change in their attitude when they do grow up, when they do mature a little bit more. So when that happens, there is a chance that the other dog is not okay with the new attitude of the dog that went into that maturity stage. Now, I'm being very broad here, but some of these changes in attitude could be the dog, maybe when it matures, became more possessive. That's one of the things that does happen. Okay, young dogs sometimes are not that possessive. But let's say at about a year and a half to, a, to two years or maybe even three years, sometimes these changes, these maturity ch uh, changes and these attitude changes happen all the way till they're about three years of age. And beyond, by the way, by the way, okay, it does it does happen past that as well. They continue to mature into their senior years, and when they get into their senior years, there is also another change in maturity. There is another an, another change in attitude. So these are all different stages, and dogs, even the same the same dog, will act different, ad adopt different attitudes as they go through these maturity stages. So when you have multiple dogs in one household, you have to realize that some of the other dogs might not care too much for the new change in attitude that this other dog just adopted because they went through this maturity stage, okay? That is a common one that a lot of people don't realize. I've, I've heard of that happening so many times where the, the complaint is very similar. I don't know what happened. They used to be friends, and now suddenly they, they don't get along anymore. And all it takes is for you to ask the right questions. Okay, how old is the, which is the dog that's starting the trouble? It's, you know, this one. And how old is this one? Uh, this one is about 18 months of age. When did you get this one? Well, we got him when he was about eight months of age. Big change from eight months of age to about 18 months of age. Okay? And let's say that's not the case. Let's say it's a different variable. Let's say it's more like 
you know the dog you know the dog is eight years old or nine years old well now you're having something similar the dog is not going through a different maturity stage now it's going into the senior years and as seniors they also have a different a different attitude senior dogs tend to be less tolerable okay not less tolerable i'm sorry but less tolerant because senior dogs tend to be less tolerant they don't put up with as much bullshit anymore they don't like it you know they don't like the young dog being all over them and they don't like that as much as they enjoyed it you know maybe like a year ago or two years ago when they were a little bit younger older dogs can be a little bit grumpier right uh they're they they can be not as energetic and so that can affect the dynamics of a multi-dog household so these are things that a lot of people don't don't realize a lot of people don't see that's one factor it doesn't mean that's the only reason by the way there could be a number of other reasons i'm just going through one hypothetical um you know in this particular case you know two dogs and then one dog matured and then now they just can't stand each other because the the dog that went through that maturity stage, let's say that dog is now more, you know, more possessive. Now he just doesn't want to share as much, um, or the the dog becomes a little bit more a little bit more serious, not as playful as much, but maybe a little bit more serious. That does happen. Okay, so that can upset the um, that can upset the the um the flow of the of this relationship that these two dogs have and and obviously this happens if you have two or three or four dogs now it could possibly become more chaotic the more dogs that you have another thing that could be happening is um you know another thing that could be happening is this two dogs okay different scenario now and it's not related to maturity, but another hypothetical could be the two dogs in this hypothetical in this different hypothetical scenario. These two dogs supposedly get along, meaning the owner doesn't really pay enough attention to to notice anything else, right? They they live alone. They haven't killed each other, so that means therefore they get along. That might not be the case. What might be happening is. One dog is pushy, right? Very pushy towards the other dog. And the other dog tolerates it. Now, the other dog tolerates it. They don't necessarily enjoy it, but but the dog tolerates the pushiness of this other dog. And the owner doesn't see this or doesn't see this as a problem. So they go, oh, look, they're playing. They're so friendly. They love each other. But maybe what could be happening, this is also another thing that is not uncommon. This also tends to happen in cases like this. Where one dog is pushy, the other dog tolerates it. They don't like it, but they tolerate it. And so the other dog just kind of keeps being pushy. And then at some point, at some point, the one dog can no longer tolerate it. So now you have the pushy dog that's been poking and poking and poking and poking. And the dog that tolerates it just suddenly goes, you know what? Go fuck yourself. I'm done with your bullshit. And then boom, there's a fight. 
And then all it takes is that one fight, and now they can't stand each other. Okay? All it takes is one fight, and now they're both walking on eggshells. And now fights are more likely to happen after that. Because now the other dog is more, you know, on on guard because the dog was like, whoa, I did not see that coming. I thought you were just going to take, you know, me bugging you the entire time. And the, the pushing might not seem harmful. The, the pushing might be harmless, so to speak, or it's not really harmless if they keep going. But the pushing can come in forms that are subtle where people don't under, don't see it. The pushiness could come in the form, and I've seen this, okay? The pushiness could come in the form of constant licking and licking and licking and licking or constant sniffing of the other dog's genitals. That sounds funny, but that's one of the things that dogs do. They'll go, I'm going to I see this this dog that I live with. I just want to sniff his genitals like as every every chance I get, and it's so annoying for the other dog. And so it might be that subtle. Uh, it might be as subtle as, hey, you know, I see you and I want, I want to be with you. And I want to be with I just want to push your body check you and, and just run into you. And whatever you're doing, I want to do that too. You're sniffing something, I want to go there and sniff it with you. You know, if you're going somewhere, I want to go there and I want to do that with you. Right? And it might seem lovely and it might seem great and all. You know, he really loves him, but it's it's. It's a cross of boundaries. The dog has no boundaries. It's not cute. Right? From a human perspective, uh, from a from a needy human perspective, yeah, that might seem cute. I wish you know he did that to me. I he I wish my dog would be all over me, but it's really not cute. It's it's no boundaries. The dog is expressing that he doesn't have a sense of boundaries, and that other dog could be tolerating it. And until one day, the dog can no longer tolerate it, and now they have a fight. So this could be another reason as to why these conflicts might arise. You know, these conflicts might uh, suddenly spur out of nowhere. And now these dogs are, are not necessarily fighting over food or toys or anything like that. They're fighting because now the the homeostasis has been affected it's just things are just not the same anymore right either the dog matured if that was the case or the dog that tolerated the bs finally decided i am not tolerating this anymore it's done and now that changed the relationship right so those could be reasons why that could happen now there could be other reasons of course it could be a combination of those it could be different things you know you could add your own mix to it you could add your own thing to it another thing that could possibly happen is maybe it's neither neither of those things and what happened maybe was there was a there was a change in the in the family unit there was a change in the household maybe somebody moved away maybe somebody moved in uh, or something you know maybe there is a change in the routine of the of that family maybe uh the person that stays at home all the time suddenly they got a full-time job i i don't know it could be subtle changes it seems subtle to us but they're not subtle to the dogs i've also seen this happen where there ha- there is one change in the family 
the family is not aware that that change, which could be major or could be subtle to them, could actually be a major change to the dog. And it also affects the, you know, the, the homeostasis. It also affects the, the flow, the, the natural flow of that dog's routine. And now that dog is edgy. I've seen that happen. And as a matter of fact, I have a dog that whenever there's a, a change that we move or something like that, the dog acts very uh, weird for about a few weeks. Now, if you add that to a multiple dog household where there is a change that seems subtle, but it's not subtle to the dog, now one dog could be edgy, and now that dog being edgy affects the other dog, and now these two dogs are like, I don't know, what you're being weird. And now these these could be prompting fights. Okay, that's another thing that could happen. And how do you find this out? If you're a dog trainer, you ask these questions. You ask, you know, how old is one of these dogs? You ask the age of the dogs. How long ago have you gotten these dogs? Oh, well, you know, I've had them for, I've had them both for several years, several months. Whatever the answer might be, might tell you what could be the the, the trigger, right? Um, uh, were there any changes in the in the routine in the in the household? Did anybody move away? Did anybody move in? Were there any changes to the to the household that might not seem obvious changes to the dog? You ask questions like that. You ask questions like, uh, "Do you notice that one dog is always you know kind of wanting to play with the other dog?" That's what you want to say if you're a dog trainer. You you want to say that. Do you notice that one dog wants to play with the other dog all the time? And the answer will be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that does happen. Because if, if you're a dog trainer and you say, is one of your dogs pushy, the owner is going to get offended by that and go, no, 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 no. Neither of my dogs are pushy. They're both angels. But if you ask, does one of your, dog con- one of your dogs constantly want to play with the other dog? Oh, yeah, yeah, he does. He does want to play with the other dog all the time. Okay. Translation, that dog is pushy. But a lot of people don't want to see that of, you know, in their dogs. So those, those could be things that, that could be happening. As a dog trainer, that's how you find out. Uh, if you're a dog owner and this is happening to you, then you just evaluate and you go, what is happening? Is this happening? Is that happening? Could uh, a combination of those things be happening. Okay, now how do we address those things? Uh, you know, keep in mind this is a podcast episode. You know, I can only give you so much, and you have to use what you know about your experience and what you know about the case that you're working with for you to fill in the blanks. But basically, how we address this is, you know, a couple of ways. If I notice the one dog is being pushy to the other dog, I want to step in and I want to let them know, step away from that dog. As a dog owner, as a dog owner, that's the majority of your job sometimes is to make sure that the one dog is not harassing the other dog. Okay? So that's what I want to do. It's not just to prevent fights, but really for the sake of the other dog. Maybe the other dog will never say, hey, I've had enough. 
But that doesn't mean I should just let the one dog bother the other dog all the time. So I want to step in for the sake and the comfort of that of every dog. I want to let the one dog know, hey, you cannot be pushy. Now, how you do that is up to you and your methodology. I simply go, knock it off, and I'll give a consequence. I'll make the dog uncomfortable for wanting to invade that dog's personal space all the time. And I'll be like, you know, enough. You can greet him. You can say hi to him. But beyond that, you're just being annoying. Get the F away from him. Okay, very matter of fact. Um, And that's one way that I will prevent that from happening. The other thing that, that you can do is also you can you can be the, the pet owner. You can be the pet parent. You know, you are the adult. You are the, the rational person here. The other thing that I can do is if, you know, these fights start to happen, I can go, both of you knock it the hell off, okay? This is my house. You two are my pets. You're not going to fight in my house, that seems almost too simple, right? It almost seems too simple. But the thing about dog training is a lot of things are simple. You don't have to go to a three-day seminar where somebody's going to tell you like, oh, yeah, this, this, and that, and, the, and let's pull out the board, and let's do the graphs right here, and let's do these, you know, let's pull these case studies, and let's do this, this, and that, and this person said this and that, and therefore, that's why we should do it this way. No, sometimes it's very freaking simple. This is my house. You do not fuck with the other dog. I don't care what it is. Just don't mess with the other dog, and fights are just not allowed in the house, period, or outside of the house. I've had dogs that, client dogs and personal dogs, where one dog just doesn't, you know, it's not fond of the other one. And I'm like, too bad. It's not your choice. You can not like him from a distance, but you will live in harmony here. It's that simple, and it doesn't take much effort. It all it takes is for you to really you know, take control of the situation and go, this is not happening, okay? But I always want to keep in mind, okay, even if the fights are not happening, I don't want to let one dog harass the other. So even if even if they're being friendly with each other, if I start to notice that one of them is being too friendly and too cuddly, I knock it off. Because I'm like, dude, I know you're being friendly and I know you love that dog, but your neediness is going to annoy him or her. So don't be so needy. Give him some space. Go away from him. Again, that's to that's for the sake of the other dog. I want that dog to feel comfortable. I don't want it to feel like every time he's in the room, you know, the other dog or dogs are going to be all over him, licking him and, and trying to rub against him. Don't be so needy. Leave him alone. Okay? Um, If it's a maturity stage thing, I'm going to keep an eye on that. But if if I notice a dog is maturing and and maybe becoming more possessive, uh, you know, more bold, again, I'm the adult. I'm the dog owner. 
and I'm going to step in and I'm going to say, knock it off. We're not doing that. I know you're different now. Maybe you're less tolerant because you're a little bit older. Fine, I'll make sure the other dog doesn't bug you as much, but you need to be fair too. And, you know, maybe the case is different. Maybe it's, look, I know you are now not a, not a puppy anymore. Now you're, uh, you're a little bit older and you're more bold, more confident, more possessive. But still, that nonsense doesn't fly here. You're going to leave the other dog alone. He can't chew on a toy without you, you know, making a fit about it. So again, I know I, I was very broad in this approach. I was very broad in this episode, but I have to be. Can't give detailed, um, you know, detailed instruction on a hypothetical that may or may not apply to every single case. But in general, from my experience, this is typically how, how it happens. It's typically why it happens in a lot of Pet owners don't notice that they don't realize, and the you know the cure for that is to be assertive, take leadership, take control, and go leave him alone. And no, you we're not we're not doing that in this house. I've also heard of people that go, oh, if if it's that bad, one of the dogs have, has to be rehomed. Um, you know, if if you feel like that's the best bet for you or for your client. I'm not going to tell you don't do it. Sometimes that is the best thing to do. Sometimes one dog is too much. A certain type of dog is too much for a certain person or a certain family. You know, I can handle um, very, very tough dogs that a lot of people would not do well with at all. But I can't expect that out of everybody. You know, like the, the types of dogs that I have would be very, very difficult for a person who, who who's not interested in being a dog trainer, who's not interested in competing in sports like I am. So I can handle that, but I can't expect everybody to handle that. So if, if one of those people had one of my dogs, had a dog similar to what I have, for me to tell them, hey, you just need to do this, this, and that, that might be a lot to ask for that person, a lot to ask of that person. So the best option for that individual, for their situation, might be to rehome one of those dogs. There is nothing wrong with that. I know some people are like, there are no bad dogs. You can't, you know, you can't just get rid of your dog. You have to like put the effort. You have to commit to training. Look, the reality is majority of people are not like that. The majority of people, they got a dog Yes, they didn't do their research. And yes, maybe they didn't look into it a lot. But whatever the the venue, whatever the source that they got it from, whether it was from a shelter or from a breeder, okay, it takes two to make that wrong decision. It takes the owner to make that wrong decision to get to get the wrong dog, but it also takes the breeder. Okay? It also takes the shelter, which a lot of shelter people don't even know what the hell they're doing themselves. They're just happy to, you know, have a, an adoption that they don't even look into the dynamics of uh, of a of a certain individual going to a to a certain home. So, yeah, we can't expect everybody to just be like, yeah, you just you just gotta train more. You just have to train. You just have to commit to training more. 
You just have to. You just have to train. Period. That's how it is. You can't get rid of your dog, right? And people shame dogs. Shame people that get rid of their dogs. You're not in their shoes. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what kind of people they are. You know, you can't just go. You have to be miserable because you made a bad decision eight months ago when you got this dog. So you're gonna punish that person for. 10 plus years because they made a decision that because they made an uninformed decision eight months ago or a year ago, whatever the case might be. No. Right. It's not like they, they want it to, to, uh, you know, to ruin a dog's life. It's not, that's not necessarily what happened. They just didn't know any better. So it is okay for them to consider rehoming if that doesn't work for them. It sucks, but it is an option, okay? Uh, so I'm not for you have to you know keep every dog. You can't get rid of the dog. Uh, I'm not necessarily for that. Um, I'm, not, I'm not against it either, okay? Every situation is different. So absolutely, if we can keep the dog in the in the household, let's do it. If we can keep that dog in that house and the owner is willing to put the effort, and if I have to, you know, kind of, if I have to pressure the owner into, hey, no, you really have to train. You really have to be better than this. Then I absolutely will. But I, I'm also going to be able to discern, okay, this person really trying really hard and they're just unable to because of their circumstances if that's the case you know maybe we should consider that this is not the best place for this dog okay so that that is also an option uh and you can decide that that option is not for you and that's fine uh or you can decide that maybe that is the best option for you or your client so if you guys have any questions like this, if you guys have any topics that you would like me to go over, uh, anything, it doesn't have to be dog-related necessarily. I've made episodes on uh, on entrepreneurship, running a dog training business, just all the things in general, even social media. So um, if you want any specific uh, topics for me to discuss, if, if anything you want to talk about with me, just let me know. And I'll, uh, and I'll definitely make an episode on it. All right, guys. Make sure you subscribe. Follow Dr. Ronnie's My Passion on the social media platforms, uh, podcast platforms. And I'll see you guys in the next episode.